Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast. I'm your host, Grace Osba. Thank you for joining me on this exciting journey. Even though women account for the vast majority of victims of domestic abuse, men are often victims too. Figures suggest that in about 30% of all cases, it is men who are the victims, either from women or other men. Unlike women, men are often reluctant to discuss or even admit to abuse. Denial, shame and embarrassment are just some of the reasons why men have great difficulty talking to their friends and work colleagues. Therefore, their afflictions are often exacerbated by a hesitance to open up to others about their situation. In the year ending March 2020, an estimated 2 to 3 million adults aged 16 to 74 experienced domestic violence in the last year, with 757,000 men experiencing domestic violence. The social and economic cost of domestic violence is estimated to be approximately £66 billion for victims of domestic violence in England and Wales for the year ending 2016 to 2017. The vast majority of this cost was as a result of physical and emotional harm caused to the victim. There are only nine refugees exclusively for male victims in the UK. 19 organizations offer safe house provisions for male victims in the UK. A total of 78 spaces of these spaces, only 20 are dedicated to male victims of domestic abuse. Mankind Initiative is amongst the few organizations that cater for male victims of domestic violence. The comeback is always stronger than the setback. This week's episode of Rising Above Shadows of Abuse features an interview with two women, Natasha and Sally, who are support workers in a refuge and a drop-in centre for these male victims. First of all, I asked Natasha and Sally how they got into this relatively unacknowledged area of domestic abuse. Three years ago, I moved from Surrey to Bournemouth um, due to a marriage breakup that had happened years ago, but the family home had to be sold. Um, I worked in education for 13 years doing learning support in a secondary school. Um, And I gave all of that up, sold my house and moved to Bournemouth. Um, I've got three daughters, two of them, one went abroad, one went to uni up north and my youngest daughter came with me. Um, And I downsized, bought a little flat and kind of settled into Bournemouth for a few months before I decided to start looking for a a new job. Then I started job hunting, decided I didn't think I wanted to go back into education. Um, And along the way, I kind of fell into um, a role of of volunteering for a charity down here. Um, And I became a mentor for ex-offenders on a voluntary basis. Um, Because I was 
I needed to get back into doing some kind of work. I didn't want to be out of work. Um, and there happened to be a... So the road that I live on is the head office to the company that I work for, and they just happened to have a an open day one day for jobs. So I just, just decided to go along, got chatting to a manager, started speaking about my background. My background was mainly in children. I trained as a nursery nurse many years ago, and for years I've worked with children. Um, and she suggested to me that she thought I'd be really good working in a refuge. So there was a vacancy going and to apply that afternoon. So I applied to the, for the job, didn't hear anything for a few months, um, had a little bit of other work here and there. And then out of the blue, the interview came up months later and I went for the interview. And of course, I had the, uh, the experience by then of mentoring male ex-offenders. Um, and I got offered the job um, then. And um, maybe from the job role that I had done, that's why they asked me to be the support worker for the male in refuge. Um, and really enjoy my job, really like it. Um, but once I started to expand or move onto the male side of it, for me, this is where my um, passion lies. Um, Sally, my colleague, came on board with me and we're very passionate about it. And so the two of us want to develop it. Um, and we're really keen, but it's frustrating because we're just hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. So um, that's kind of like, how come I'm here at the, you know, I've, I've got to this part in my life, really. So, And how about Sally? Sally, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Um, my background is in education and then I broke free of that as my children got older and wanted to do their own thing and, and leave home. And I just wanted to do a little, I did relief work for BCHA, well technically I still do. Um, thought I'd go into young people's and realise they would run rings around me. So, um, sort of working in various schemes for BCHA and... Then on one of the training courses, um, Professional Boundaries, I think it was, I met Natasha and we got chatting and she said, oh, come down to Pool Refuge. So um, I went down and did a few shifts and helped out, especially during the lockdown at COVID, COVID at the Pool Refuge. And um, we sort of got a friendship and then I got involved with the men's drop-ins from there. Um, I think I joined and they started about a month and yeah had no experience about domestic abuse or anything whatsoever in my life found it absolutely mind-blowing what i was hearing um got really on board with the men's side lots of support from our boss um and yeah so now i do sort of one and a half days um with, with the men's drop-ins I, I mean you know we've extended expanded as much as we can at the moment yeah, we just want to expand it. You know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're passionate, we're keen, we're, um, we, we enjoy it. We enjoy what we do. For us, we get a lot out of the role because we see how the men are benefiting from the drop-ins, from being able to talk to us. We set up a WhatsApp group so the men can all talk to each other. We've had um, 
meetings with the police. Uh, we've been offered a space at one of the cafes in Bournemouth that are really, they're really, they, they like to help vulnerable people. So they've, um, they've offered it to us two evenings a week. So we've held one of the, one of our groups where we brought the police in to talk. So we got the two groups to merge. Um, we've since, they've had an open mic night at this cafe. Um, and one of our guys is very musical and he's put a lot of, he, he's written a lot of music about the trauma and the abuse he's gone through. So he signed up to the open mic night and we kind of all went along and supported him. And it's kind of just developing really and becoming more and more positive and allowing these guys to move on. I mean, a couple of the guys have said we've been lifesavers. So we do believe that they've been in a really dark place, but with our help and support and support of the other guys, it is helping them move on, and we're, we're noticing results from it. We, we, I think, as Natasha mentioned, we do a, a Tuesday evening one. We're involved with the YMCA of Bournemouth, who've been brilliantly supportive. Um, so, so yeah, we're just working together and working our way through it, really. Um, so I don't actually work at the refuge anymore. I just basically do the, the men's drop-ins, and, yeah. <laughs> so... Um... It's quite interesting that both of you are working with men who've gone through domestic violence. And uh, the question is, why did you decide to do this kind of work? Or why did you decide to work with men who've gone through violence? Yes, yeah, so um, the refuge, so I work in refuge. Sally is a relief worker. So Sally comes in and out of refuge and works for other um, um, or, um properties within our organisation because they it's a housing organisation that we work for. So we also house other um, vulnerable, types of vulnerable people. Okay. Um, so the refuge that I currently work in has 18 flats. Now, 17 of those flats are specifically for female. However, one of the flats is specifically for a male, um, with or without children. Now, I started there about two and a half years ago and became the support worker for the males as soon as I started there. Um, and about a year down the line, I kind of noticed that there wasn't very many um, opportunities for men to be able to talk about their abuse compared to what was offered to women. So, like, pattern changing, freedom courses, they are only just specifically for women. Um, and I kind of felt that men, because they have problems talking anyway, maybe we, a drop-in would be a really good idea. So I mentioned it to my manager who thought it was a good idea when I started a drop-in. Um, Sally very quickly came on board with it. Um, and a year later, we now have three drop-ins a week for male victims of domestic abuse. Um... As a result, it's kind of escalated. We now want to to kind of reach out and do more outreach with them because as more men have come come on board from word of mouth and supporting each other, we realise that this is a real big niche in the market that that there there is a need for um, more um, support for male victims of domestic abuse, um, and that's how come we've kind of gone more onto the male side of it. You said something that was quite profound. You said because men find it difficult to talk about the violence they've experienced. Yeah. And when when they come in for the drop-in, have you raised up this issue about them not being able to communicate the violence they're going through in their relationships? 
Yeah, so um, a lot of the situations of the men that we support, um, most of them actually have had the police involved. Um, and across the board, they've all stated how the police don't believe them. Um, if the police is called to a domestic abuse incident, the men is automatically removed from the situation um, because often the woman will claim that they are the ones that are the victims, so therefore the police, because they obviously only have a short time, will move the male. Um, and um, again, they're telling us how men, um, family members don't believe them, friends don't believe them, workplaces don't believe them. Often, um, in the cases that we've come across as well, the men have got to the point where they're forced to tell their um, work colleagues or, or manager or bosses because there's the fear that the woman will come into their work and do damage in their workplace, which have happened or there have been threats to have happened. Um, as a result, we've also noticed how unsupportive some of the companies can be just because the awareness isn't there. So that's something that Sally and I are looking into as well, at raising awareness of male domestic abuse in workplaces. Okay. So uh, the issue now with the men going through violence is because uh, they don't have enough support and, number two, there's not enough awareness to let people know that men also go through abuse or violence yes. by their, yeah. their intimate partners and also you said uh, because of the droppings uh, it's people are now coming into the um, droppings you hold uh, how long how often do you hold the droppings is it weekly or bi-weekly yeah. okay so now that is like it's it's now becoming more aware to people around that you are uh, doing drop-ins? Yeah, so we basically advertise the drop-ins through various professional agencies, uh, through social workers, through doctors, through the police. Um, and then it goes out on in companies as well, on internet. We've got it in Nationwide. We have it in various cafes, um, uh, football stadiums. Anywhere we can think, we get a poster out and information about it. Oh. Um, so some of our referrals actually will just see a poster someone act and, and, and call us. Some are actually referred in through, say, a family intervention worker or a social worker. Okay. And then obviously the guys, when they start coming, they are so aware, once they realise they're so aware of what domestic abuse is, then then they actually can recognise it in some of their friends and work colleagues. Okay. Um, it is, like you say, it's getting that awareness out there all the time. Okay, so have you uh, reached out to, say, some companies or um, institutions to sponsor your drop-ins? Sponsor, not to sponsor. So this is an issue we have at the moment because we want to um, take it further. It, it's all about funding. So our company that we work for, which is called BCHA, um, we had um, a meeting last week with the CEO of BCHA. Um, he's kind of perhaps in the right direction to be able to try and take this forward, but it does come down to funding. So we were actually discussing this this morning about would it be worth going to a company to try and get a sponsor? Um, so that's something we're kind of thinking about at the moment, but it's only kind of come to our attention because obviously we need the money to be able to move forward with it. 
I believe there are possibilities in you getting funding because it's a niche that is not tapped into yet at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And when you, when we were talking earlier on, you said people don't believe the men because it's quite prevalent that women are the ones who go through the domestic violence or abuse. So why they don't believe them is it because they don't have enough um evidence they don't have maybe scratchy they don't have um footage or maybe um, video footage to show that they have been abused by their partners yeah i think because they don't have enough knowledge and also with male um if the abuse isn't physical so there are no visible marks that's really hard to believe somebody um and again do the men talk? Have they spoken about it? I think if a man was to go into... Well, we, we, I know of a man, I went on a conference where he went to work literally every week with marks on his face. So they were kind of... And, and he'd cover up all the time. So they were kind of aware of it going on. But if it's not visible, is it believed? So it, one of our situations, we have a guy who works for um, a company who actually asked for proof for him to be able to come to therapy group the drop-in group because he works shifts so he needed the, the um evening shift doctor come to our group so he had to ask us to um send over a um like an email to prove that he came to our therapy group so um as a result i went to the hr department and wrote a supporting um email claiming that yes he did come to um our support group for due to the fact that he's a victim of um, domestic abuse. And I said, I did then ask to see their safeguarding policy because this is something that we're not um, asked to do very often. And I just wanted to make them aware that actually it does go on. Anyway, I didn't get a response back from them, but I kind of had put my point across. And then a few months later, we ended up getting another guy coming to us whose workplace had actually um, referred him to us. And when I asked him who he worked for, it was the same company that had asked for proof of their other, uh, another guy coming to our therapy group. So as a result of me actually sending that email to the company, it made them more aware in that instance. So they were then able to forward somebody else onto us. Do you conduct, say, therapeutic sessions? Do you have, a, like, a trained counsellor or psychotherapist that works with them? No, no. What we do is we signpost them to um, different um, professionals, if that was the case. A lot of them do have counselling when they come into us, and a lot of them have said that they find the drop-ins more, more helpful, and I think because there's other men that they're around that are in the same situation or experiences that they can relate to, for them they find it much more valuable. That's the feedback that we get. So Sally and I are not trained counsellors. We sit and listen and we facilitate the group. Um, but we do signpost okay. if we feel that um, there is a need. If we have any safeguarding issues as well, Grace, then we will follow those safeguarding issues up ourselves. Okay. Uh, yeah, so um, just to protect the guys that we work for more than, you know, more than anything, because it's the only thing that they've got in this area. We are aware that in Hampshire they've got nothing like it, so we're trying to kind of broaden out that, that way a little bit um, to try and bring them across the borders back into Dorset, because we've got um, 
we've got one of our drop-ins, which is this morning, um, and it's really quiet, but it's on the borders by Hampshire, so that's what we're going to try and offer to go across there as well. What are the challenges you've faced so far with this drop-in service? Um... Money more than anything because we want to expand it. Um, time, we, we're not given enough time to do it because, like I say, I work in refuge. Um, so what happens there is when I'm working in refuge, my manager, Steve, doesn't really like me doing much mail side of it because it's taking time up from the refuge, which I totally agree, totally understand. Um, so um, finding the time, uh, the time to actually... So we're given Tuesdays all day. So Sally and I work a 10-hour day on a Tuesday because we do a group in the morning, a group in the evening, which is our most popular group. And then in between that, we just literally do all of our admin work, advertising work on the male side of domestic abuse. Um, training is another massive issue. I've been on the Freedom um, training course to be able to facilitate the, the course, but it was for the for females, and um, we I cannot use that material to facilitate um, the freedom pattern, uh, the freedom course to males. So we've been trying frantically to find some kind of training. We have found some um, based in Wales, but it came down to funding, and our company at the moment are unable to fund us to do it. So we've missed out on that, which is a real shame because that's for something called the Compass Project, and that's um, similar to pattern changing, and that was, that's a really good course that we could facilitate to the men that we work with. But until we do that training, we can't do it. Okay. So what is the training exactly about? So have you heard of pattern changing? Um, yes, but I'm not very conversant with it. So pattern changing is a course that's offered to wit to female victims of domestic abuse and it's making females who have been abused more aware of the patterns that they follow when they um, get new partners. So because of the abuse that they've been in, they often sometimes can go to another partner um, kind of similar to the last partner and then... Um, the abuse could could carry on happening. So it's all about um, um, understanding, identifying red flags, that's what I was going to say. Um, okay, so, so this training yeah. makes women aware of red flags when they go into another relationship. So that's the kind of um, training that we want to offer. Now, one of our guys in our group who's been out of his abusive relationship for a couple of years, however, he's still struggling with it, but he wants to go back into dating. So he is dating, but he will come to us each week with stories of the women that he's dated and he'll talk about it and we'll kind of try and help him. Um, you know, so he might say something that we feel could be a red flag, but we talk him through it, so he's more aware of it. So um, that's what that's the kind of training that we want to be able to offer to the guys. So yeah. the training, in it's just about um, noting uh, the patterns of behaviour of each. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and making sure that they don't go into a repeated cycle of the abuse they've, they've just yeah. left. Oh, thank you so much, Sally. So, um, I think, Grace, I think the fact that we're both singing from the same hymn sheet helps as well because they're both very passionate 
Yeah. And with our outlooks are very similar with regards to the male drop-in, and that's why it works. Okay. Once we were um, asked, um, why, how do the guys feel about two women doing a drop-in? And we thought, well, okay. So, so we asked them, and um, really pleased with their feedback, actually, uh, that the guys seem to like the fact we are two women, so we're not becoming a women-hating group or an anti-women group. Uh, you know, and they feel they can open up to us more as well. So we feel quite honoured that, um, you know, the guys want to keep coming back and happy to, to share and, and, and get support. It, it's brilliant. So. Okay, that's fantastic. So in essence, they, they enjoy the fact that you're managing this, uh, both of you are managing this drop-ins and they getting value for... Yeah. For, yeah, I wouldn't absolutely. say value for money, because but they're getting a lot of value. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've mentioned one of the things that, that um, Natasha and I, we, we were both parents, that we've been able to help a lot with, with some of the guys that, that uh, are not with their children, not able to be with their children or have them part-time. And we've been able to help a lot of support about around schools and about access to children and, and just gen general sort of looking after children a little bit. So I think that's been quite rewarding to actually say to somebody actually you have parental responsibility you can contact the school you can be involved in your child's life and um, and that's been quite liberating i think for mm. the guys so in a way you actually sign post them also to uh professionals that that can look into yeah. their own affairs as well just you just yeah, um narrated how you sign po you and talk to them that they can they can have access to their children be involved in their children's life because they are yeah. they are dads anyway they're fathers so yeah, uh yeah. in any way you you kind of um let them know they have the right to take care of yeah. their children they have a right to be a part of their children's lives yeah it's quite quite often uh, you talking earlier about why men don't speak women will often say if you leave me you'll never see your children it's one of the main things i'll make sure you never see your children again and that is that threat is happening all the time and it's not true so do you get, uh, do they get legal, do you send, post them to legal uh, representation? Not any particular ones, but we can sort of, you know, prompt them to get legal representation, definitely, or legal aid. You know, it, it, we're sort of signposting rather than actually advertising anything. Okay. And also, also some things we don't have um, a lot of knowledge, like the legal side of things, we don't have a lot of knowledge um, on, so we have to signpost them because, you know, we can only tell them as much as we know kind of thing. Um, and with the WhatsApp group, they can ask for help and advice and some one of the other guys might happen to know the answer to that as well. Okay. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from because you, are, you just told me um, you came from a... Uh, an educational background and you're also a mother you know but what you're doing is fantastic it's great it's great it's it's not something you see every day and no. I'm happy that you started this and uh, we're gonna be creating more awareness about this can you please tell me the name of the refuge you're in charge so that you know I can give a shout out to them on my podcast yeah Paul refuge okay. and if you put Dorset because obviously it's a safe um, safe house, obviously. Um, okay. 
Something else that's come into my head as well. Sally and I, we also um, attend a conference every month with the charity Mankind Initiative. Um, and so we're trying to gain knowledge all the time. Um, we, we do have a lot of um, knowledge and experience of domestic abuse, of working in the refuge. And so when we have our groups each week, this is something that's really important to the men, is the fact that sometimes this is the first time they've ever been believed. Um, we can talk them through what they've been through. Sally and I were invited to a, me a, men's men a mental health group to discuss domestic abuse. And as a result, two of the guys on there came forward. One of them had been abused and was aware of it, but one guy wasn't aware of the abuse he'd gone through. And this happened eight years ago. And as a result, he's now um, an alcoholic and he claims that his issues with uh, surrounding alcohol have stemmed from that relationship eight years ago that he was completely unaware of because he didn't him he himself didn't know the signs of, of of domestic abuse so that's something else is the fact that these guys in that have been in these relationships are completely unaware of, that they are in a, 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 a domestic abuse relationship because again there's no publicity for male victims of domestic abuse but with your initiative now, the, the drop-ins you're having now in Dorset, uh, and with your connection with Mankind Charity, and, and I know Mankind is a charity for men who've gone through any form of abuse, I think with this, it's going to be um, people become more aware of this initiative you started in Dorset. So um, with this, I believe more people become aware that all men also go through domestic violence or men also go through abuse. But it might not be as prevalent as women do, but it's still there. Yeah. So yeah. what would what are your last words? What what would you like to say as a word of encouragement? What Sally and I are kind of promoting in our groups is we want men to talk. Um, we want them to be a voice. It's really important. Through them being a voice, they're helping other people. So if I get any phone calls from any guys, I will always say, you must speak out. You must tell your work colleagues, your work boss, that you are a victim of domestic abuse. This is something that they're shying away from, but something that we're trying to push. Um, so, you know, we, you know, stand up and say you are a victim of domestic abuse, which is something that men are you know, embarrassed or don't want to talk about or don't want to say, but we are trying to make them say it because we think that it will help, even if they help one other person. But, you know, and that, and that has been happening through the year that we've been running on our drop-in groups. Um, you know, we've had um, proof of um, that that is by them actually coming out and saying, I am a, a, I am a boy, you know, I am a, a I am... Um, a, victim. a victim of domestic abuse it can help other people so our whatsapp group is actually called I'm a voice okay. thank you so much Natasha and uh, Sally what would you be your last words please okay uh, yeah basically yes be a voice listen to friends look out for it just just we just need to wear raise awareness of it everywhere you know from, from workplaces to families family settings Strong men do cry. Strong men need to talk Absolutely. out. Um, yeah, strong men are good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Natasha and Sally, for coming on 
Rising Above Shadows of Abuse uh, show. Lovely. And well done you for raising awareness as well, Grace. It's, you know, it's very important. Thank you so and my much. Last, my last quote would be, the comeback is always stronger than the setback. Oh, that is a fantastic quote. Thank you so much. And yeah. lovely talking to both of you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I appreciate all my listeners for subscribing, commenting and reviewing the podcast. Continue to push, push on and never give up. Thank you and see you in the next episode. Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast. I'm your host, Grace Osborne. Thank you for joining me on this exciting journey.